Let us pray. Father, we thank you again. We come before your presence with, with, with a grateful heart. With a grateful heart. Thank you for redemption. Thank you for salvation. We thank you for the hope in Christ. We thank you for the for the for the for the for the anticipation. We thank you because we are privileged to know that Jesus is coming back again. And therefore, we know that we don't have hope alone in this world. And therefore, you've taken from us a miserable life. Because we know that is salvation. We know, according to your word, is a time of great rest with you. But in the meanwhile, while we are here on the earth, you have given us your word as guide, your word as comfort, your word as, as, as compass, your word to direct, your word to keep, your word to chastise, your word to exhort, your word to correct, your word to bless. Lord, as we, as we approach your word tonight, as we behold your word tonight, we shall be changed. We shall be transformed to the same image. Wow. Like the Lord, even from glory to glory. That Lord, you may have us on this earth as your witnesses because you said in your word, you will never leave the world, or the people without a witness. That when men see us, they see you. And that in the place where men need the supernatural power of God to manifest, Lord, when we appear, Lord, it will appear also. Because you live on our inside. Father, glorify the Son tonight. Holy Spirit, glorify the Father. Lord, I pray that all the gifts of the Spirit uh, manifest in this meeting tonight. I declare the heavenly peace of God to, to reign in every place where my voice is being heard tonight. In the name of Jesus, anoint my tongue, anoint our hearts, my tongue to speak, our hearts to hear and perceive. And bring us all to the place of obedience, even to your truth. For this we ask, Lord, and many more, according to your will. In Jesus' precious name, we pray. And let everybody say to me, amen and amen. Wow. Tonight, I'd like us to start from... Um, the book of Second Corinthians, chapter three, verse sixteen to eighteen. Second Corinthians, chapter three, verses sixteen through eighteen. We'll start from there tonight as we go into Ephesians. Verse 16 says, but whenever a person turns, now I'm, I'm, I'm reading and I'm teaching tonight from the amplified um, version of the Bible, but my King James is quite open before me. I know some of you have CSV, some of you have um, NLT, some of you have KJV and KJV. Um, 
whatever version you have. But I want to admonish you that in all our Bible studies, please come with your, with your paper Bible, not with your phone Bible, except when in transit. So you can mark certain scriptures. You can, you can, you can, yeah, there's something about marking your Bible, your paper Bible. And if you can mark also your phone Bible, fine. But I will admonish that we have our, our paper Bibles with us. Verse 16 says, but when the person turns in repentance and faith to the Lord, what happens? The veil is taken away. The veil, what does veil do? Veil covers. The veil is, is symbolic of, of, of an unrepentant life or state. The veil is symbolic of the times before we get born again. For in context, the Apostle Paul is taking the, 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 uh, the form in which the, 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 the people of Israel were in the old covenant before the coming of Christ. And when we come to Christ, there's a veil taken away. That's why Paul said, now that you are born again, do not leave us in the day where the veil was still in your face. But when a person turns in repentance and faith to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now that means that there was a veil before, now there should be no more veil. Someone say amen tonight. Why is the veil taken away? 17 says, now the Lord is the spirit. And wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. That word means emancipation from bondage and true freedom. So that means wherever the spirit of the Lord is, one thing you know is you've experienced is freedom. When the veil is taken away by the Holy Spirit, what happens next is freedom. He says, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. So there's freedom at the other end of the veil where there's light. There's no bondage. There's no, there's no, there's no, there's no, there's no fear. There should be no anxiety. There should be no, there should be no trouble. Because the Holy Spirit of God is the spirit of liberty. So when you are doing anything right now and you feel caged, you feel, you feel, you feel, you feel, you know, you feel tense and stressed. There's an absence of the spirit. So we must, we must begin to come to the times that the work of the spirit in our lives is to bring freedom, emancipation. That's, that's, that's the will of God. And how does this freedom, you know, multiply and this, this liberty, you know, intensify? It says, and we all with unveiled face. That means we come to the word of God with faces unveiled. We, we come, we, 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 we put aside every preconceived idea and look at what the word of God says 
in value and pattern our lives after it. For by that, we walk in the liberty of the spirit. And we all with unveiled face continually seen as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. I pray tonight as we see this word of God, as we've been looking at this word of God progressively, we shall be transformed into his image. Wow. That means it's possible we are transformed into the very image of God. This same thing Paul mentioned in Romans chapter 8. And the question is, what is the image of God of Christ? And we're supposed to be transformed from glory to glory. From glory to glory. That means as God's children, our progress our growth as, as God says should be progressive, should be continuous from one level to the other. If in last year you've been you God has got you grace to 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 progress above you know you know mood swing or 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 bitterness or 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 lack of um, 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 or, or prayerlessness or, or inability to, to give, to walk in love. Now, whatever thing you have grown, you must keep making progress progressively. That is the expectations of God. No wonder Peter said in 1 Peter 2 verse 2, he says, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. Ephesians chapter four. But before I go into chapter four again, I was just thinking this evening and I, I, I will hear the Lord speak to my heart. That why did I save you? I'm going to throw that same question to us tonight. Why are we saved? Why did God save us? Tonight I have three quick points to mention. Three quick points. Saying, why did God save us? Point number one. That we may serve and worship him. You see, all the, the, the purpose of redemption is service and worship. God demands absolute, absolute worship and service from you. God is not going to compromise his standard for us. He wants us to worship him. You see, the church in Ephesus were busy focusing on things, and Paul said, no, no, focus on the real deal. God wants you to worship and serve him. Exodus chapter number 20 uh, or uh, uh, rather to the four, let's read verse, verse 22 and 23. Let, let, let me show you a pattern there and, 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 and then I'll make, I'll, I'll make an allusion to, to, to Romans 12. Exodus chapter number four. Why did God save you? He didn't save you so that you just, you just be yourself. No, he saved you that you, may, that you and I may serve him. Exodus 4. Verse 20, 
22 and 23. I read from the KJV. He said, And thou shalt say unto Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord, is, uh, the Lord Israel is my, my son, even my firstborn. And I say unto thee, Let my son go, that he may serve me. And if thou refuse to let him go, behold, I will slay thy son, even thy firstborn. God says, Let my son, let my people go, that they may serve me. Why the deliverance? Why redemption? Why did he put it with his blood that we may serve him? Amen. He has chosen us. It's like it's like going to the market to, to pick choice fruit. You know, the reason you are picking is not to put it in the shelf. No, is is to is to is to is to is to nourish your body, to nourish you. That's the reason you took all the pain to walk, all the pain to walk for the whole month, and then you go and get and get groceries. Remember, nobody nobody goes to get bad groceries, you go to get good groceries, and all the time you were sweating in the month. Is to go get fruit or things for yourself. But the things you buy are not meant to be put in the shell. They are meant to nourish you. So why did God call the church through Christ? That we may serve him. And how do we serve him? Romans 12 verse 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, Romans 12 verse 1, by the mercies of the Lord to present your body. So one way to serve and worship God is the presentation of your body. Thank God, God did not leave us, you know, in, in the dark of what it means to worship or to serve him. First and foremost, we serve him with our lives. We serve with our bodies. In fact, he says this is our reasonable act of worship. In fact, in the Bible, the word worship and service are used interchangeably. So worship is not only singing. It's how we carry ourselves. It's how we present ourselves. It's how Christ is seeing us. That's worship. Number two, why did he save us? That we might be conformed to the image of the son. We see that in, 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 in two Corinthians read. But, but let's turn to Romans chapter 9 again. Let me show you that pattern. One is for service and worship. That's what God requires of you. And the church and earth. And you must give it to him. For there's joy in giving God worship. There's joy in giving God service. There's joy in fulfilling the good pleasure in the heart of the Lord. Romans chapter number 8. I read now from the KJV. Romans 8. I read verse 29. Told me that Romans 8, 29. This is the purpose that the Lord left the church. He says, now, 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 now to the powers that be, that through the church, through the church. Amen. Let's read verse 29. Um, um, uh, um, uh, okay, from verse 28 and 20. And we know that all things work together for good to, to them that love God and to them who are called according to his purpose. 29. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be what? To be what? To be conformed to the image of the Son, that He might be the firstborn among brethren. What does that mean? It means it means God, you know, saved us 
that we may conform to Jesus, that Jesus might be the firstborn among many brethren. If we don't conform to him, then he can't be our firstborn. It means if our nature, if our character, if our life is not in tandem with him, then we can't be his, his younger brothers in that sense. We can't be his friends. He said, them, he said now I call you friends, no more servants. That he be the firstborn. What does it mean? Jesus is the firstborn. But for us to become, you know, you know, you know, you know, part of the family of God, we must take his nature. We must be conformed. Like this, we must progressively get um, um, and be seen to be changing to the same image, like unto him from glory to glory. It's a thing you must know and set in your heart. To do. So he will change. He called us to be, to, 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 you know, well, you know, no, that, 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 that we might be predestinated to be conformed to the image of the Son. Why? That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. We are his brethren. But what makes us brethren after redemption is the process of sanctification that leads us to conforming, to, to taking up the nature and the character of God that we might look like Jesus. So it can be said of us, the prince of this world comet and found and finds nothing in me, just like he came and found nothing in him. You know, I remember an incident that happened some years ago. I've mentioned this, this quite a while. And someone was mentioned to me not too long ago. I sent someone, it was interesting. I sent someone to, 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 to meet up with my younger brother somewhere. He hasn't met him before. But I said, when you see him, he's somebody for you. And then the moment he saw him, he said, oh, I knew him. And he came back to me and said, ah, sir, I saw him. The carbon is there. Now, by that, it means there's, there's a semblance, there's a resemblance. That's how it should be. We must have a resemblance with Christ in character. Paul says to Timothy, now, these are practical Christian living. He says, Timothy, in 4, from verse 12, he says, let no man, let no man, as a believer, this is God's requirement for us now. We must live it out. It is not just hearing the word, but doing it is where the true blessing for the church lies. And it's in the doing that the glory of God is seen through the church by the world. Number three, tonight, reason we are saved, we are saved to reflect him, to represent him, and to reproduce him. I repeat, we are saved to reflect him, we are saved to represent him, and we are saved to reproduce him. Wow. To reflect him. You know, Philip asked Jesus, show us the Father, and we'll be satisfied. And Jesus rebuked him and said, Philip, 
Have I been this long with you and you do not yet know the Father? If you have, that's John 14. If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. So it can be said of us, if men see us, men shall see the Father or the Son. That means we must, we must reflect the exact copy of the character and the nature of the Son, folks. This is where the tire or rather the rubber hits and meets the road. You must begin to challenge yourself and ask yourself, how am I reflecting Christ? Because from Ephesians 4, we start seeing the practical applications of the things that you are taught in doctrine. You know, these days I, I see, uh, you know, there are many churches that people claim don't know the word. Yeah, they don't know the word. But those that know the word, are you doing the word? If we're not doing the word, we're not living the word. You're not, you're not, you're not, you're not, you're not, you're not showing love. You're not living right. You're not living holy. You're not, you're not crucifying the flesh. Then there's no difference between us and those who walk in error. Or the way to know we walk in the truth is in obedience. And God is greatly glorified when his children work in the truth. In 1 John 3 and 1 John 2, John says, I rejoice greatly that my children are walking in the truth. Every father rejoices when the children walk in the truth. Now, it didn't say, I rejoice that you walk in knowledge. No, nobody walks in knowledge, all right? You, now, to, for us to know that you have the knowledge, we see it in the things you do. So, husbands, how do you treat your wife? Wife, how do you treat your husband? Employee, how do you treat your employer? Employer, as in Christ, how do you treat your, your employee? You know, you know, students, how do you relate to your, to your lecturers? How do you, what? Now, these are things that you find in scriptures. In, in Ephesians chapter 6, you find, you find the teachings of parents and children, employers and employees, servants to masters. You'll be amazed how the Bible is so complete and the Bible is, is a moral compass and a moral guide. And as believers, we must, we must, we must, we must pattern. It's a must. That's what we are called believers, those that believe in Christ. Our lives must show him. We reflect him. We represent him. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 5, verse 18. He said, Now we are we are the ambassadors of Christ 19. And then lastly, we 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 reproduce, we bear fruit. Our lives bear fruit. We bear fruit by the teaching of the word. Christ's words is in our mouth. Christ's words is in our heart. In fact, Paul says in Romans 10, it says, it says, it says, it says, it says, the word is nervy, even in thine heart and even in thy mouth, the word of faith which we preach. Romans 10, from verse 8. So the word of faith which we preach must be nerdy, must be in your heart, must be in your mouth. You must wear 
the, the, the shoe of the preparation of the gospel of peace and of God, Ephesians 6. For these are the signs, these are the hallmarks of the people that have been saved, of the people that have been marked out by Christ. There must be this passion, this drive in your heart. If you be a child of God, there'll be a witness in your heart that this is the will of God for us to follow. Is Christ being seen in you? You know, something amazed me in the life of Jesus. And I tried to emulate that in my, in, my, in my life as a believer. Not because I'm a pastor. No, I've been doing this before I became a pastor. In Acts chapter number one, Acts one, Acts 1. You know, we parted our lives but the Lord. Paul says, follow me even as I follow Christ. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Acts 1, verse 1. I read, you know, from, from the KJV um, um, translation. Acts 1, verse 1. The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus. That means I've written to you, Theophilus, something earlier, and we know um, as, as, as students of Bible history that it was referring here to, to, to the, the gospel um, of Luke, because this same gospel was written to the same person, so he was reminded of that which, what, what he wrote. That means in the epistle, or rather, in the gospel of Luke, his attempt was to show Theophilus that the life of Jesus was not just in the realm of knowledge, but in the realm of practical living. He was writing to instruct him. He was writing to show him that Jesus, the Messiah that we believe, he didn't just live a life, you know, in the, in the blues or far away. No, he taught and lived it. So what he said? He says, of all that Jesus began both, both to do and to teach. So if he preached love, he did love. If he preached faith, he did faith. If he preached humility, oh, he humbled himself. In fact, Jesus never wanted, you know, when he says, let's humble ourselves, he did. In fact, trust me, he never wanted to be significant. He always wanted to hide himself. Though he's the Lord of all, he's the king of kings, he feels all things. All things were made by him, yet he humbled himself and he taught them. In fact, at the point, he had to call them and, 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 and took off his garment and, and, and tied a towel around his waist and began to bathe them. He began to wash them and began to clean them. And he said to him, Master, Lord, you can't do this. I said that. You can't, you can't wash our feet and clean us. And if you do all, you wouldn't be saying, no, if I don't wash you, you have no part in me. And he told them, in the world, the Lord over the old, their own, but in the kingdom, he that will be the head. 
must be servant of all. He taught it. So, so Luke was telling it because Fephilus, you know, from history was someone that, that, that was prominent. So he's telling him that this Jesus is a practical Jesus. This Jesus is a, a Jesus that gave us example. And as his children, from his instruction, this is how we have to comport our lives that he might be the firstborn. Among many brethren. Ephesians chapter 4. But before we go to the 4 this evening, turn with me in your Bibles to, 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 to verse 19 of 3. And then from there, we'll dovetail again into four. He says, and that ye may come to know practically. You see the word. Now, Paul is coming to practical. You see, you see the, the, the problem um, um, that, that God wants us to break through from is, is come from a place of knowledge to, 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 to practical experience. Knowledge will not bless the world until knowledge is shared and is revealed in character, in obedience. Knowledge in itself does not bless. It's when it's applied, it's called wisdom. Wisdom is a principality. Was wisdom the application of knowledge rightly? And in all than getting, get understanding. But wisdom is the principle. That means wisdom is what blesses, not understanding or knowledge. When you have knowledge, understanding, then wisdom makes all to the crown. So there's, 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 there must not be a disconnect from knowledge and practice. No wonder when people go to medical school, they go there to acquire knowledge and training and everything, and eventually they're supposed to practice. If you go to law school, go to university, go to law school, at the end of the day, you're supposed to practice. And it's amazing that man has put in place principles to punish erring professionals. Imagine a doctor that, that breaks the ethics and the code of his practice, that, that, that breaks the code of his Hippocratic code, um, 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 oath. They will be their sanction. A lawyer that, that, that misbehaves can be called to order. How much more believers? We must come to a point where we must begin to realize in God that God is interested much more in how we put his word to practice. But that is it. And that he may come to know practically through personal experience the love of Christ which far surpasses. Now, look at how the black would mere knowledge. We don't glory in mere knowledge. You know, when you keep eating and eating and eating, there's tendency that you become flabby. You become heavy. You become redundant. You become, you become, but when you begin to exercise, you use the energy that you gain, 
Then, then, then your muscles, your your organ, your body begins to grow, begins to respond. Now, now you 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 come alive. Sometimes the reason we aren't doing well because we are not practicing the things we've learned. He said, the things you heard and learned of me in part of Timothy, he says, commit to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. That means the knowledge is not for tips, it's for application. So when you are taught giving, what do you do? You, you make up your mind, you determine in yourself, you will sort that down to give. When you are taught forgiveness, it is not a thing to consider. It's a thing to do. God doesn't give us information for kids. For the sake of knowledge. Or for the sake of being able to teach it. That won't profit us. Paul said in Romans 2, he said, oh, thou that teacheth others, do you teach yourself? Oh, you that says one should not steal, does thou steal? Oh, you that says no one should go adultery, are thou an adulterer or a fornicator? It means the things you teach, you must do it. The things you read, the things you are taught, you must. It's because from where we're right now is, is a time where Paul is saying, put these things to practice, not just mere knowledge. And that's what causes problems within the church and for our lives. We must transcend from knowledge to practice. Verse 20 says, now to him who is able to do or carry out his purpose. Now, let's listen very carefully. If God gives us instructions and we don't do it, please don't forget that is able to carry out his purpose with or without you. He's able to fulfill his counsel. In fact, he's able to use stones. In fact, it's even possible he can choose to use unbelievers. Like he did in Isaiah 45, 46, when he called Cyrus my servant. He says, even though yet he hasn't known me, Isaiah 45, from verse 5. That is God is serious about his work. He is serious about the assignment he has given you and I. Let's begin to practically live as Christians. You know, on Sunday in church, we were discussing the, 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 the things that are in the world, the law of the world. Now, we were quick, eager to mention, you know, fashion, to mention this now. It's not about missing those things. When it comes to, to you to deny those things, will you be able to deny them? Can God count on you like he did on Daniel, like he did on, 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 on his friends, to stand for him when men revile his name? This is how we know people who are growing and who have passed from death to life. This is how the church at Oba will, 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 will multiply and increase and, and reproduce and reflect and, and, and represent him when we work in obedience. He says, I rejoice my children are working. 
put you to practice the truth. Tonight, I'm challenging us by the word of God. Because of the season and the times in which you are in, because of the signing of the work of God. Remember, he, he, said, he said, I will build my church and the gates of it will prevail. Why is able to do? Therefore, if he calls you once, answer twice. This is another day of flabbiness. Soldiers and flabby. Soldiers and dragged. Soldiers are fit. Soldiers are soldiers. They are fit. They are ready for instructions and for obedience to God. And to him who is able. Because we are looking forward to our eternal home and our eternal hope. And folks, the adversary is not keeping quiet. First chapter 5 verse 8, it says, be sober and be vigilant for Satan, your adversary. Never forget, we have an adversary. And he always waits for when men sleep to strike. Is roaming about like 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 a lion seeking whom he may devour. But stand ye steadfast in faith and resist him. To him who is able to do is able. Therefore, he will not wait forever. To him be glory in the church. You see that? Because this is for the church. In the church forever. And ever. By Christ Jesus. For verse 1. So I, the prisoner of the Lord, on the account of these thoughts, I appeal to you. See the word now? I appeal to you. God is saying to Paul, he's appealing, he's, he's, he's calling our attention. Is 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 arousing our consciousness. Paraventure, we 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 might we, we might be dozing of paraventure. We might just want to paraventure. Something is happening. It is is appealing to you. I'm calling your attention, right? You have to live a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called. That is to live a life that exhibits godly character, moral courage personal integrity, and mature behavior in life that expresses gratitude to God for your salvation. Why did he say with humility? Because we need humility to be able to fulfill the will of God. With all humility, forsaking, that's amplified, forsaking self-righteousness. Wow. With all humility, forsaking all you have known, all you have, you have been able to do, with all humility, submit everything you have, you, you, your perception, and humbly receive the word of God with meekness that can save the soul. You know, one of the problems I found out is that our, 
our sometimes our inability to to really believe that God's word is true. Sometimes we read the word, but we've not got a place of true belief. And they asked Jesus, Jesus, what must we do to do the works of God? Don't tell them. He says to obey. The works of God is not is not is not is not what we we think his works are. His works is obedience. That we may obey. But how do we? He says we can't obey without humility. Now, as a pastor, oh, I listen to everyone's opinion when it comes to ministry. Now, when I say opinion, I mean every everyone around me who are leaders. I take every shit, I listen. And let me tell you, from the opinions God has spoken to me several times. And sometimes I've told them about it, sometimes I don't mention it, but I listen. Because I know I don't have the repertoire of knowledge or wisdom. It has pleased God never to give one man everything. The perfection of beauty and glory is in God. Is God alone that has all things? Bible says He is all things, and all things consist by Him. But when it comes to the church, He never gave one man everything. He says, "When He ascends on high, from His level, He gives unto men. He gives men as the church. He gives some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, teachers. Why didn't He make it one? No, because God wants." the church to work as a unit, each joint supplying. But to supply, we must come to a point of humility. We cannot supply without receiving. Please knock it down and note that in your notes. You can't be a supplier without first being a receiver. You can't be a giver a supplier of the spiritual things without receiving spiritual things. For John says, no man can receive anything except it be given to him by God. So the way to supply, the way to be a blessing is to learn to receive. But to receive now, we must what? We must receive with humility. So say humility. Say humility is the key. That connects to the supernatural. James chapter one. James chapter one. Let me show you how how the Apostle James puts this. So that every time you approach the Word of God, you approach God's Word in church in, as it's been preached with 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 a right heart. James one, I said, a right heart. Why? A right heart is a precondition for faith to walk. For there's no problem with the word of God, but God's word must mix with faith in a right heart. That's why you hear the word, all conditions being equal. Things should work like this, like this, like this. Hebrews 2 verse 4. For the word that was preached did not profit them 
because it did not mix with faith in them that heard it. That means the word will only profit when certain conditions are met. That's why we must be searching our hearts in obedience and humility consistently. Sometimes we are the ones that hinders the move of God in our generation because we are, we are in opposition to his word. Our lives is not showing forth. We're not reflecting. We're not reproducing. We're not, we're not, we're not, we're not being reformed like him. And yet, he's our firstborn, he's our elder brother. And, 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 by, and by design, we ought to mirror ourselves. Wow. James 1. I read from verse. From verse. From verse 19. Let, let me read from the Amplified, my preferred Bible of teaching. Now, understand this, my beloved brothers and sisters. Let everyone be quick to hear, but a careful, thoughtful listener, slow to speak, a speaker of carefully chosen words, and slow to anger, patient, reflective, forgiving. Now, I can, I can stop here tonight. Why would God say all these things to us so that we can be recipients of his grace? If the condition is not met, if it's not ready, the grace cannot pass through. Even though the grace is meant for us. 20. Now, please, read this over and over again. 20 says, for the resentful, Deep-seated anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. That's that standard of behavior which he requires from us. Now, this is legendary. That means we must not have deep-seated resentment. In fact, we must not have facial seatedness of resentment. It's God's word. This is practical Christian living. And my prayer tonight is that my children will walk in the truth. My brethren, like, like John said, I'm praying that my brethren will start walking in the truth. Every one of us, including myself, will continue to walk in the truth. We'll keep making progress. We'll keep, you know, we we'll say, Lord, we trust you to help me to walk in your truth and, 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 and keep it in a position where I can actually reflect you and, 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 and represent you and, and reproduce the life of the earth. For the resentful, deep-seated anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. That standard behavior which it requires from us. Let's go on. So get rid of all uncleanness and all the, all the remains of wickedness. And with a humble spirit, see the word now? With a humble spirit, receive the word of God which is implanted, actually rooted in your heart, which is able to save your souls. But prove yourselves doers of the word. So say doers. I'll end it tonight. I pray that you start doing the word. Prove yourselves. Prove yourselves. See the word? Prove it. Sit down and say, and, and, and start addressing yourself. I want to be a doer of the word. 
that I may be a good child of my father. That I may be a good, a good, a good family member in the body of Christ. That, that, that I'm a, I'm a reflect the character and the nature of my Lord and my God. What a privilege to be his, 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 his representative. What a privilege to mirror Christ. Hallelujah. Do you know how joyous people become when they are appointed ambassadors to nations? They never go there to compromise. One of the objectives is to represent their home nation, their home country, their, their, their homeland. And they carry the culture. Every time there's a function, they dress in the, in, the, in the attire of the homeland. They eat the meat of the homeland. They showcase the beauty, the culture, the, the, the behavior, the character, the, the cuisine of the homeland. That's what ambassadors do. And that's our assignment. And that's who we are. Hallelujah. That's what makes the church thrive and make Christ be magnified. When we as ambassadors bring to bear the power and the grace of the homeland upon this dying world. As our character reflects him, as we mirror him, and are changing daily the same image, the same thought, the same words, be thou an example. Those things are not mere knowledge words. They are things to put to practice like Jesus did. He did and he practiced. I pray that we will not be flabby believers, we will not be obese believers who know so much of the word but are able to put them to practice. At that stage, it will neither profit us nor those whom the word is meant for. I pray that every one of us tonight will be profitable servants unto the Lord. Let me read down this evening as I close with my many few minutes. But prove yourselves doers of the word, actively and continually obeying God's precepts. And not merely, see the word, not merely, we see what mere, mere, mere appearing, just superficial. No, no, we mustn't be superficial believers. We must be active believers. Forget active service. In fact, you know, as I close, I know a man of God who who refused to who refused to you know uh, that what he used who who on the day of the launch of a book of a Christian he asked the Christian that wrote the book, "Are you doing what is in this book?" Because there are many people who have written books. Who don't do the things they write in the book? We aren't different from those who are reading books if we ourselves don't do the things that we profess with our mouth. You find them talking about marriage, about 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 re, 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 relationship. About there are people that are reading books on relationship. Write down. They've recounted. They've renounced. Now they are gays. But but they wrote best-selling books. 
on, on how to date, on how to marry, on how to be a good husband. Now they're against their real life story. But for us, like Jesus both began to do and to teach the difference from, from, for, for, from, from, from believers who are mature and immature is the ability to do. Paul says, I couldn't speak to you as unto spiritual, but as, as unto unspiritual or immature. Why? Because we, are, we have not patterned ourselves yet like we should to Christ. Let Christ's life rise up in us. Let's make up our mind to go beyond where we are and begin to put to practice every truth we hear. But prove yourselves to us of the world, actively and continually obeying God's precepts and not merely listeners who hear the word but fail to internalize its meaning, deluding yourselves by unsound reasoning contrary to the truth. For if anyone only listens to the word without obeying it, he is like a man who looks very carefully at his natural face in the mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he immediately forgets who he looked like. But he who looks carefully, 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 with the heart of obedience, with the heart of doing, into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and faithfully abides by it, not having been a careless listener who forgets but an active doer who obeys, he will be blessed and favored by God in what he does. That means blessings and favor of God comes by, by actively obeying and doing. May we turn to the Lord tonight in repentance. Say, Lord, help me. I repent of my sin of negligence, my sin of constant disobedience to the truth, my sin of abandoning you, my sin of, of seeing myself beyond seeing you, the sins of worshipping things rather than worshipping you. I may focus more in obedience. I may truly and actively love. I may truly and actively give actively pray, actively present my body, actively sacrifice for righteousness. I'm actively and genuinely be a child of your holy, righteous, unblemished kingdom. Just like the prince of this world came, Lord, and, find, and found nothing in you, May he come on me also and find nothing. Search me, O God, and purify me. Reveal to me, Lord, reveal to us our secret sins, our secret faults. That we are forgiven, cleansed, and sanctified. That your true grace and glory might rest in the church by the power of your spirit. Thank you, O oh God. Thank you, Father. So that I wish you can pray. And pray with me also. That the Lord will have his way. You've had your way enough. Now is the way of God. 
or he seeks to find expression in you. For as long as the tap faucet is not released or opened, the water can never flow. As long as the tap faucet is not released or opened, the water can never flow, even though the water is always in the channel, but is waiting to be released. Release it by obedience. Release it by sacrifice, by humility. Thank you, Lord. Lord, give us the heart of Christ. Although he's God, did not turn in robbery to be equal with God. And being found as a man, find himself in the likeness of the flesh. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, the most humiliating death, the most cruel death, that he may win us. But give us the heart. Give us the heart that is required for true worship and true service. That your word may profit us. Help us do. Help us do not. Strengthen us. Let your word go beyond what we speak, but to what we do. That we will not become a church in Ephesus, a church in Corinth, a church in Galicia. The things you wrote for us are an example that we will not do the same things they did. And comparison judgment they came under. But Lord, you sanctify us and make us an example of true believers indeed. Show us what has light in this dying world. An example to your other children around the world. This we ask for God tonight. With a humble heart, with faith in our spirits. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And amen. Thank you for tuning in. I pray that we're going to repent tonight and make a promise to the Lord to make amends and serve Him. He's waiting on you and I. And the spirit of obedience to the faith unto all nations is with us. Amen. Good night. God bless you all. Amen.